The Retro Lounge is a look back into the archives of the Recruiters Lounge podcast with Jim Stroud and Karen Matinen. The Recruiters Lounge podcast posted weekly between the years of 2005 and 2010. With energy, wit, and opposite points of view, <laughs> Jim Stroud and Karen Madden discussed, debated, and squabbled like children over HR issues that affected the workplace and society overall for the benefit of all who would listen. This episode of the Recruiter's Lounge originally aired on May 3rd, 2007. This was the original title. Uh, degree Debacle. <laughs> And this was the description, rather short here. It says, uh, Jim Stroud and Karen Matten argue on and on and on and on about the relevance of education and why companies should and should not use it as a disqualifier. But we are not anti-degree, no, not us. <laughs> Found out what we said way back when, May 3rd, 2007, after this special message. Critical race theory supports the logic that all whites are born racist and oppressors by nature. They are to be viewed as a collective threat to non-white people and beyond redemption. This sentiment is already infecting the American workplace via racial sensitivity and diversity trainings. Despite the obvious controversy, such trainings are being accepted as just and fair and at an alarming pace across corporate America. Racism Reimagined How Critical Race Theory Imperils the American Workplace is an ebook that I wrote. In it, I do three things. One, I explain the basics of critical race theory. Two, I demonstrate how critical race theory is negatively affecting the American workplace. And three, I hope, <laughs> I hope, <laughs> I inspire a resistance to critical race theory being taught in the workplace. In light of the increased sensitivity to recent events like the George Floyd protests, the emergence of cancel culture, and the pressures on corporations to adhere to political correctness, the information in my ebook, Racism Reimagined How Critical Race Theory Imperils the American Workplace, is a counterbalance that should be carefully considered prior to new investments in diversity training. Racism Reimagined How Critical Race Theory Imperils the American Workplace is a free resource that can be downloaded and, by all means, shared with those in your network. A download link is available in the podcast description. Radio, radio, radio Innovative audio on demand. Hi, I'm Jim Stroud. Welcome to the Recruiter's Loud. The Recruiter's Lounge is a podcast of news, interviews, and commentary on the recruiting industry, and it was designed with you in mind. So sit back, relax, and enjoy your time in the Recruiter's Lounge. Hello and welcome to this episode of the Recruiter's Lounge, brought to you in part by The Day in Recruiting. The Day in Recruiting is a website where you can view the most popular recruiting blogs on one convenient page. It's a great way to start your day and remain informed on all of the happenings in the recruiting industry. Check it out online at www.thedayinrecruiting.com. That's www.thedayinrecruiting.com. Just the way it sounds, The Day in Recruiting. And now, before the show begins, let's hear a word or two from our sponsors. Right now, millions of people are looking for and finding jobs on the Internet. But are you getting paid when they find a job? Well, now you can. 
When online employment sites like Monster and CareerBuilder came on the scene, they took billions of dollars out of the pockets of the recruiter. But now, there's a new sheriff in town called WorkGiant, the recruiter's best friend. WorkGiant is empowering recruiters throughout the country to take back your industry. WorkGiant is a national and broadly focused job board, but with some very distinct differences. One difference is with WorkGiant, employers and recruiters can post jobs for free, search the resume database for free, and only pay 1% upon a hire. WorkGiant markets through professionals in the industry. Why? Because it's your industry. As a professional recruiter, you have the employer relationships. You have the job seeker contacts. It is your industry. It's yours to take back now. WorkGiant will never replace recruiter value-added services. In fact, we offer you a way to monetize 95% of the market that currently goes to the online job board industry. Refer current or former clients and surplus job seekers to your WorkGiant affiliate website. Refer once and you own the relationship. Then get paid every time they make a hire for as long as they make hires. Someone is going to lock up your employer contacts. It might as well be you. Every time a hire is made by one of your clients or one of your job seeker referrals, you get paid. It's that easy. So take back your industry with the power of residual income from WorkGiant. Welcome once again. This is the Recruiter's Lounge Show with your host, Jim Stroud, and my lovely co-host who is with me today, Karen Madden. How are you, Karen? Hi, Jim. How are you? Thank you. Such a busy beaver. We don't do these every episode like we used to. You're just putting me down. Oh, is that my fault? I feel bad now. I'm really feeling guilty. <laughs> guilty, guilty, guilty. Are you trying to make me feel guilty? You must be going into the Catholic guilt here. Right? <laughs> yes, my child. Yes, my child. I was um, looking at a couple of newspaper articles today, and uh, actually the other day, and it made me think about you because it, it hit someone of your personal crusades. <laughs> <laughs> you probably already know what I'm referring to, but for those who do not know your many personal crusades, let me sort of bring it to the attention. My one of many. One of many crusades. <laughs> there was uh, a news story uh, recently here in the States that said a dean, actually the dean of, of a very prominent school, MIT, Massachusetts uh, Institute of Technology, um, they stepped down rather suddenly from their post because it was it was uh, discovered that she lied on her resume. Now, the ironic thing about it is that she's been uh, serving in her post, uh, or rather serving uh, MIT for 28 years. Dean of admissions, too. De- Dean of admissions. Yeah, feel the irony behind that. So um, uh, there's been a lot of debate back and forth about uh, this entire uh, debacle. Uh, should she have been fired? Should she not have been fired? Um, I have my opinion, but uh, let's hear yours first, and then I'll, I'll counter, I'm sure. Well, one of the things we got to clarify, she wasn't fired. She stepped down, because I guess she realized that the ultimate was going to happen, that she was going to be fired, okay? Mm. My thing that I have about this is that, okay, she did the crime, She's got to pay the time, okay? Right. I respect that. I really think that, unfortunately, she lied. But the question that I got and that part that I have is, did she have proven ability? Yes. Did people respect what her her ability was good? Yes. 
Have people been citing her as being one of the best deans in actual college history? Yes. Thing is, would she have been hired for the position if she didn't have a degree? Because if she had proven, had not lied about the degree? No. And That's therein, my problem. And therein lies the irony. People want to hire people with a certain amount of credentials. However, uh, are those credentials a really good qualifier of talent? Um, it's, it's, I, and, and I'm sort of feeling you in this regard far as um, do degrees really matter, uh, especially in light of uh, something I read recently as well. And that's not, of course, to uh, dissuade people from getting their education. Uh, and it's not to dissuade people who have attained their education as not being uh, as important as, as others. Um, but a couple of things do stand, stand up to reason uh, when I think about that issue. One is, there's a recent article uh, I quoted on my blog, actually, about IT certifications and how a lot of, rec- a lot of companies are um, partial to people with certain IT certifications. And I found out through this article that, there is a movement of people cheating uh, on their IT exams because they can go to a website and get the answers of uh, several certification tests that are out there mm-hmm. and um, not have to study, but, uh, ready, but rather study all of the answers and then breeze through the certification. So um, it makes me wonder, well, someone may have a certification, but is it truly earned? Uh, do they really know it? I know they can pass a test. But passing a test, uh, especially a standard uh, certification test, is not really indicative of their skill set because they could have cheated, mm-hmm. which also leads back to um, getting diplomas. Uh, I, I, I saw this story on um, one of these news shows, like 2020 or Nightline or something like that, and they did this long story about how uh, students have taken cheating to an art form and how people, some people will uh, take your test for you for X amount of dollars or even do your term paper for X amount of dollars. And I even read um, this article that uh, the research goddess, Amy Beth Hale, sent Mm -hmm. to me the other day, uh, showing me how college students are using iPods and and cell phones, text messaging each other the answers (laughs) uh, while they're taking their test. Mm -hmm. It's just like, okay, you're going to school to study and to learn and to take your knowledge and, and leverage that into bigger and better opportunities. Um, but now I won't say it's getting to a point where I have to doubt everyone's certification or doubt everyone's diploma or, 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 or um, credentials. Uh-huh. But it does make me wonder when it's so easy to cheat, especially with, with the new technology coming out, like, well, technology that's available now, like iPods and cell phones and people finding ways to cheat these high-tech ways, it just sort of makes me wonder, like, well, um, credentials are important. But I think experience goes uh, much further, I think, in a lot of, lot of respects. And I, I would like to see ways that employees can validate the skill set of people they hire beyond uh, credentials, although I wouldn't do away with them. Well, let me just put it this way, okay? And I'm going to read something that the Supreme Court said perfectly well, okay? All right. And I think it was one of the most amazing aspects of what this that brings this point to light. Okay. History is filled with examples of men and women who have rendered highly effective performance without the conventional badges of accomplishments in terms of certificates, diplomas, or degrees. 
And diplomas and tests are useful servants, but Congress has mandated the common sense proposition is they're not to become masters of reality. Now, I like this for one reason, because mm. it was so funny because today I decided to do some interesting research uh, regarding this article that I had seen that you had put on your blog. Okay. I was kind of curious. I decided, I wondered, hmm, I wonder how many people on the Fortune 50 or Fortune 500 even had degrees? Well, they're all among the richest people in the world, so I'm sure they probably have, like, uh, more degrees than a thermostat, I'd imagine. Well, you know, this is quite interesting, and this is actually very shocking. Okay. Only 163 out of the 420 interviewed, and this is all from the Fortune 500 CEOs, mm-hmm. did not have degrees. 163 really? had no advanced degrees. Also, get this, the ones that did not have advanced degrees actually made more money than those with the advanced degrees. Wait a minute, let me, let me clarify this for people who... who who perform better they heard it wrong. better, too. All right, so, so people, so just, just to reiterate here for clarity's sake, out of the 400-plus people, CEOs, that were interviewed by Fortune magazine, 163 of them actually had degrees? Oh, no. Oh, no. The 163 of them did not have advanced degrees. Did not have advanced degrees. Right. And of those 163, they were the ones who earned the most money. They not just earned more money. They actually did better within the company, and they, they actually said they, they, they actually said MBAs may actually do worse than those with no advanced degree, although they did fare better than lawyers. Really? Yes. But yet MBAs make up the majority of the individuals who have degrees, okay, and which was kind of interesting, all right? That mm-hmm. was, there were 165 of those in the CEOs. 24 had a doctorate, 37 had a master's, and 51 had a law degree. But interestingly enough, the individuals who had no advanced degree fared much better for the stockholders and the business, com- considerably much so than the end of individuals who had the advanced degrees. So is it fair to say that school can make you stupid? <laughs> yeah. I mean, they said formal education did account for money or something. I mean, the MBA, I, mean, I would say probably it's quite true. I mean, if you think about it, if you were to compile... Well, in my top, case, yeah, but go ahead. Hold on, I'm going to go with this because you're right about something. If you compile the top 20 individuals who are on the Fortune 50 list, and in fact, just the top 10, yeah. and, you compile, and you were to compile all their money and their earnings, do you realize that their earnings are much uh, altogether amassed more than everybody else's on the uh, Fortune 50 or Fortune 500? Wow. Combined? Well, so what can we assume? For, I mean, is it really right to assume that people with less education have the capability of making more money than people with education? Or is education not even a factor? Is it just something that's inherent in people? It's got to be passion. I mean, that's what these are. And, and regarding some articles that I'm reading, they're all saying it comes down to passion. I mean, mm. because they also said, listen to this, over 50% of all CEOs in Fortune 50 had a C average or less in college. 20, you know, they said 420% did not graduate college or even earn a college graduate or degree. And over 50% of millionaire entrepreneurs never finish college. So basically what you're looking at is that it's not who, how smart you are, not where even if you went to school, it's about what's inside of you. How badly you want to succeed. 
Yes. How how focused you are on your prize. That's correct. That will dictate your success more than degrees on the wall. I mean, it said also, according to the same study, mm. there's a small difference in SAT scores, which you take before going to college, which correlates with marriage measurably with your higher income. So hmm. it doesn't matter how smart you were in your battery in your intelligence test or all that stuff to, de- to determine how how much money you're going to make. Wow. I mean, and when you really think about it, because everybody says, "Oh, Bill," you know, when they talk about Bill Gates or um, they talk about the guy from uh, Larry Ellison or one of these guys, they say, CEO oh, of Oracle." Or Oracle, exactly. They say, "Oh, that's just that's just uh, one in a million, or that just happens to those type of people." No, if you really looked at the list, and I mean, I was looking at the list. The guy who owned Amway, Gateway Computer Founders. We've looked at Dell Computers. You look at all of these individuals, MTV. These are these Barnes and Noble CEO. These are all individuals who have no college or college dropouts. Hmm. Steven Spielberg. John Glenn, astronaut and senator, Ralph Lauren. I mean, you look at all of these names and you got to go, whoa. It's not, it's really about the passion. Now, you know, what you're saying is, is reminding me of this, of this other article. Um, actually, I heard it debated on another radio show. It was an article that was written in Forbes magazine that uh, put out several different, well, rather, listed several different reasons why one should not go to college, but yeah. instead uh, invest that money in um in other avenues, and you'll come out ahead in terms of money you would have earned versus money you would have spent for college over the long run. Absolutely. Um, I was one of those proponents of one should, everyone should go to, to college. Um, but after listening to that debate and reading the article in Forbes, and if you you have a copy of that article, right? I'm working at it right now. Okay. I, I'm going to ask you to send me a link so that I can post it okay. uh, on my blog along with this podcast. But it, it, it put out it, – it, he's saying put out. It listed several different uh, reasons. I'm going to ask you to go through a few since you have it right there. Okay. As to why someone should elect to forego college and instead just uh, go towards um, – use that same amount of money and invest it or go into some other venture. Uh, give me like the, the first few reasons there that you say. Okay, it's only they give the four, top five on this one. Okay. You'll be losing four years of your life. Wow. Okay. You won't necessarily earn less money. College grads earn an average sixty-two percent more than the course of careers, but high than high school grads. But they, this one economist argues that those numbers are skewed by the fact that smarter kids are more likely to go to college in the first place. In the other words, the probability of higher education is a self-fulfilling prophecy. Hold on, let's say these one, say these one by one here. The first one, you lose four years of your life. Yes. Now, I, I can I can hear people right now arguing about the value of education, um, and, and let me sort of just argue in their behalf. Um, by going to school and being educated, you're exposed to uh, different people that you can network with, and those network. Uh, networking relationships can go with you for a lifetime. You can't really put a price tag on that, although uh, colleges do try. <laughs> um, you're also exposed to different um, uh, different courses. Uh, they call them electives, uh, things, courses that aren't necessarily related sometimes to what you want to do. Um, but you are exposed to, to different experiences and, and different um, curriculum that – might have you thinking in different areas than you would have before. Mm-hmm. So the college experience very really exposes you to a lot of things um, that you may not necessarily get outside of college. So I would have issue with wasting four years of your life mm-hmm. in an argument. Um, that's that's the, I think that was the only one I really 
I can't imagine. I don't really call it a waste to go to school for four years because you do get away a lot of intangible things, like like I said, relationships and, and being exposed to different different things. Um, but let's go to the second argument because I, well, I, I actually, will I mean, debate that. Not only, but they said like not only will you lose the money though, but to think about it. I mean, you could be working your way up the corporate ladder, anyways. So they think about when you're in, I like what you're saying there, too, because, I mean, it said, you know, that four years of experience that you're missing off your resume. Right. You know, but then they talked about the next one that we discussed, and please bear with me because you have to hit a next little, um, so wait for the screen to pop up, okay? Okay. Okay, so then it says you won't necessarily earn less money. I mean, Curly's grads, they say, do earn over 62% more than on their course of careers than high school grads, but then we got to, we just kind of saw a conflicting situation there just now in regards to the non non um, this non educated you know with the master CEO right okay? right right but they said basically that the argues that those numbers are skewered by the fact that smarter kids are more likely to go to college in the first place. In other words, the possibility of higher education is a self fulfilling prophecy because their parents would have prepared for them. To go to school, or because they would have wanted well, to go to college. Well, they already are smarter. They already have. I mean, it's like you're gonna. You're a smart kid. You're gonna go to college. You're gonna make something of your life. In other words, you're not gonna go ahead and end up being working at McDonald's. I'm sorry, not meant the same thing bad, but people working at McDonald's. But you know what I'm saying. So I think you're saying that because people see the potential as reflected in their grades, um, they're gonna hear. Uh, affirmations and encouragement to go to college because of those grades. Absolutely. And the thing is about it, they will end up, I mean, it is, it's not that they're smarter and more intelligent smarter, but it's just that they know, hey, if I want to get a better job faster, allegedly, I go to college, I will get it. What's the next reason? Now, the next reason was what you said. Hmm. They said uh, about basically, you're throwing away your money. You know, if you put 160000 the approximate cost of Harvard education, into municipal bonds that pay a conservative 5%, you'll have saved more than 500000 in 30 years. That's far more than the average college grad will accumulate in the same amount of time. Wow. I remember that one. I think that was the one that sort of sold me on that argument. And then the last one that they have, you don't need to be in a classroom in order to learn something. Truly motivated learners can teach themselves almost anything with a couple of books and an Internet connection. Want to learn a hands-on skill or trade? Consider an apprenticeship. Now, that's also true because I've, a lot of things that I know has been hands-on and just having the passion to, to figure things out. That's um, right. Hmm. Now, number five, they do have another five. Plenty hmm. of other people did fine. Bill Gates, Larry Allison, Quentin Tarantino, David Geffen, Thomas Edison, among others, never graduated from college. Peter Jennings and John D. Rockefeller never even finished high school. Peter Jennings didn't finish high school? Hmm, I didn't know that. I didn't know that either. Maybe he went back and got a GED. He must have. I never knew that. But if you think about it, I mean, you know, when my biggest beef going back to this article, I mean, okay, let's look at the EEOC. Yeah. Let's go into something that people don't even want to go there, but let's start with Title Seven, okay? Yeah. It pretty much is against the law in some aspects, in outside of an industry that there you need to have an education, like for example, being a doctor, mm-hmm. okay? Um, to say education only and forego those three magic words are equitable experience, right? Mm-hmm. 
Now, the reason being is, and this is quite interesting, I was looking at the statistics of people who graduated from college and who haven't graduated from college. And what was interesting is that looking at 2006, only 84% have had graduated high school and 27% graduated with a degree, a bachelor's degree or higher. This is our current statistics. I think we talked about this once uh, offline before, uh, 1996. Now, now, this one was 2006. 1996, which is the baby boomers generation, right. okay? We're going into discrimination situation here, okay? Mm. Only 24.9% of baby boomers graduated in 19, um, around the 1996 figures, the Census Bureau, okay? Yeah. Now, also, you'll find that most minorities, blacks and Hispanics, I'm my bi- biracial myself, okay? Mm. They don't graduate. We, we're looking at a much lower percentage in regards to minorities graduating, okay? Right. So the, what happened is, is back, we, the reason Title Seven came about is because after affirmative action came out and it's like, you know, we're going to go ahead and give equality to all people, some companies decided, well, why don't we go ahead and use education to kind of discriminate, and so they were saying we needed people with a high school diploma, and they were doing it because they got the smart idea realizing that most minorities and blacks did not graduate. So the basis of an educational qualifier is rooted in racism? It was. The hmm. original court, the original case on that, the first case was based upon education. One of the first cases, I should say. Not the first, but one of the very first cases. Interesting. I didn't know that. Right. I mean, this, this huge company, huge company, they got smart. They got this great idea. We don't want to have to hire blacks. So we're going to use education as a discriminatory technique. Well, the EEOC and, and I guess the version of the NAACP back then, the affirmative action groups, they all got wind of this and said, I don't think so. You know, obviously, you're seeing people who are white without an education could actually do the same job. And it doesn't it doesn't take an education to be able to lift or pallet onto a railroad tie or whatever. You know what I mean? Right. So they said, no way, Jose. You're not going to do that. Well, that happened just again just recently. About a year ago, a Hispanic man was working at a particular outfit, and he was doing temp to hire. He leaves town. He comes back, and they said, no, we need to have a degree. He says, wait, you're just using that to discriminate now. That's it. So he went to the EOC. The company said, the EOC says, I'm sorry, you're using that for discrimination. Obviously, this guy was able to perform the job before without an education. So now let's go to present-day times. You've got a whole bunch of companies saying, we want to have education. You have to have a bachelor's degree to be a secretary. Okay? Yeah, I know the company's speaking of. Yeah. Yes. So... We're going we're gonna to say you have to have a bachelor's degree to have a, be a secretary, and that's just it. Well, you know, there's a lot of baby boomers out there who don't have a degree, who are women, who are avid and fantastic secretaries, who are, fin- I mean, could do the job with the eyes closed, and they can't get that job because they don't have a bachelor's degree. Is there a legal recourse for someone uh, if they see a job advertising that says, um, Basically that, 
it's an administrative assistant position, but they're requiring someone to have a master's degree or something? Well, legal recourse, first off, right now, I, what I see is going to be legal recourse is a lot of baby boomers. I think eventually you're going to see a lot of baby boomers who are deciding not to retire mm-hmm. are going to call us to age discrimination when they look at the statistics of how many people did not graduate with that degree. Hmm. See, I think that's where it's going to come down to statistics now. When you see that only 20, what as I said, about 24.9% had graduated in 1996 with a degree, right. okay, that's a major number of people. Yeah. And so when you say, I mean, you can't say that these boomer, baby boomers don't have experience. To me, this is kind of like, okay, I hate to say this to Bill Gates, but I'm going to let's use this Bill Gates as an example. Yep. Uh, great man, okay? Yep. Let's say Bill Gates were to decide, you know, IBM says, you know, I want to go ahead and revamp our company. We're getting rid of our CEO. We want a completely straight structure. Bill Gates says, you know, I want to kind of like, this sounds interesting. I want to try this. I'm going to come over to IBM and teach them how to restructure their company. Do you think IBM's going to tell Bill Gates, no, we're not interested in you? Highly unlikely. Highly unlikely. But the moment they decide to hire him, even though he has no degree, they just set a precedent for all the people that they've decided not to hire because of degree. Hmm. So that's another twist of lawsuits that could happen there, too. So if Bill Gates decides to work somewhere else, uh, he sets precedence. precedence. He could set a precedent completely. In fact, this woman's story can also set a precedent because for quite some time, they've, all these colleges say you have to have to be a dean, you have to have a degree. In fact, some of the universities even tried to say HR managers have to have a degree. This woman had been able to prove that not only do you not have to be a, to have a degree to be a dean in a university, but you could be a darn good one. Yeah. I can see so many legal precedences being set by her story. With all of these people, especially baby boomers and minorities, you know, I'm serious. If I go in for a job and I have, like, 20 years qualification and some little upstart who's only got six years of experience, and a college degree gets that job before rather than I do, I would sue so badly for race discrimination, racial discrimination. I had have all kinds of stuff going after that. Didn't this happen at Radio Shack? Wasn't there like a CEO they had over there, and he lied on his resume, so they fired him? Yeah, he they fired him because you see, lying on a resume is against law. In most states, lying resume is against the law. Well, what this dean of MIT did was against the law, too, then. Yes, absolutely. And that's why, you know, what she did, I can honestly say she's got to pay the crime. She's got to pay the time. Okay? She did the crime. Okay? But it's unfortunate. What the biggest premise I have is why did she have to lie in the first place? Because she would never have gotten hired in that job. Well, let me ask you this. Let me ask you this. So you feel that the punishment was... um, or severe? For her, no. It was overly severe. Do you, you think that she should have been fired? I think that she didn't fire. She stepped up. I mean, I'm sorry. I, I, keep saying, I keep saying fired. But I think but that she if resigned. she would have gotten fired, she would have deserved it. If she did get fired, she would have reser- She would have deserved it. Absolutely. Okay. I mean, unfortunately, it would have been. I mean, it, it's sad. What I'm more angry, though, is at the school for putting her in that situation. She should never have been in that situation in the first place. They should have been able to look at her and say, you're a great person. We like your style. We want you to come in and be the administrative assistant, what they hired her for, and because and, based upon a resume that did not have a lie. Because obviously she was good at her job, okay? Hmm. And, then she got, we would, and then she would have been promoted based upon her, her abilities that like they saw. 
But they said they promoted her on abilities, but they also promoted her because they believed that she had a degree. Would they have promoted her if they didn't think she had a degree? Heck no. Let me ask you this then. Is a good qualifier then, if we're, if we're going to, just just to play devil's advocate here, if we do, do away with the credentials of, of uh, advanced degrees, um, what, what, what do you think of the, what do you think is the best qualifier then? Would it be um, hiring people, contract a perm, put them on, try them out for a month, and then if they obviously prove themselves in a month or three months or whatever? Well, it depends. I mean, for example, let's give a perfect example. I'm going to use salespeople, okay? All right. If you know that you have to get a salesperson who's going to sell five or six million dollars a year doing selling to a particular project product to a particular type of industry, okay? Yep. And you would like them to come from your competitors. And if this person has been working at one of your competitors, say, for example, Honeywell. Honeywell's pretty picky about who they hire anyways. And if anybody's staying on at Honeywell seven years, they're doing darn good. Yep. So there's a good indicator. And then if he's also showing that he's, you can look at his pay stubs. This guy's seven, sell, selling at least $7 million a year So by, based upon his pay stubs. So obviously his experience, his qualifications, and his tenure at the company, because he wasn't a job hopper or anything like that, is a sure indicator that this guy's a stable, strong candidate. What is the degree going to tell you about that candidate? Nothing. But what is his qualifications that he's been doing, his proof? That there alone is proof. Now, right there, I can see that point, but then it's also the catch-22 of how can I get a job if I have no experience and if you can't look at my degree. But that's a debate that can go on and well, on. Well, that's where you can work your way up like this woman had. Well, She's true. also an administrative assistant. Oh, did she? Yeah. Okay. She started off as an administrative assistant, a secretary in the admissions office, and worked his way her way up. This is all a very interesting debate. I'm curious to know what the listeners think, if you would. Uh, drop me an email. I can reach that Jim Stroud. It's G-I-M-S-T-R-O-U-D at jimstroud.com. Incidentally, jimstroud.com is also the name of my blog and website, so please go there, visit, and subscribe. The more you subscribe, uh, the more I'll like you. <laughs> okay, can I interject something before we close out? Please then? do. I would like to say I am not that I am anti-degree. Okay. I want to make sure to clarify that because a degree can be used as a stepping stone to step to avoid a couple steps, Okay. What I am saying is that to go ahead and be so tainted by the degree only, instead of saying, but I would rather look at experience and or a degree, that's where I have a problem. When a company says, I only will look at candidates with a degree, and they have no clue what that person has done before, that's where I have a problem. And they'll forego the person who has great experience. And that's Karen Madden with the last word. Thank you for tuning in and listening. To the Recruiter's Lounge, I'm Jim Stroud, and now again with Karen Madden, and we're both saying goodbye. 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 Thank you. Bye-bye. <laughs> Bye-bye, I'm Tim. <laughs> well, that's it for this show. You've been a wonderful audience. If you like what you heard, love what you heard, or <laughs> just plain hate what you just heard, uh, let me know. Your feedback matters. You can reach me through my website at jimstroud.com slash podcast. That's J-I-M-S-T-R-O-U-D dot com slash podcast. So until next time, I'm Jim Stroud and you're not. Radio, radio, radio talent. Innovative audio on demand.
And so this ends this edition of the Retro Lounge, home of classic episodes of the Recruiter's Lounge podcast. If you haven't already, uh, subscribe now so you don't miss a future episode. Okay, cool. Until next time, bye-bye. Bonjour. This is Fabulously Delicious, the French food podcast. I'm Andrew Pryor, and every week I bring you the wonderful and fabulous people involved in French food, whether they're here in France like me or from around the world. Each week, we dive into a specific topic, be it a French dish, an ingredient, or a French cuisine cooking technique. My guests are all about French food, so come join me on Fabulously Delicious, the French food podcast. Bon app.